You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Good morning, this is Mindful Parenting with your host uh, Anas Shaheen And uh, today we have with us uh, Sheikh Radwan Assalamu alaikum Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh We've been running a, a program uh, called Mindful Parenting And we've been looking at different aspects of it In terms of communication or building resilience in children But one of the dimensions that we wanted to look at today with you Is, is about the spirituality, the spiritual life of a child um, And first of all Starting off, is it something that is actually awakened, or is it something that um, uh, is always there from you know the pre-existence? Mm. Awakened, um, It's an interesting question because what you're trying to say is um, you're actually you're ad- admitting that there is a spiritual faculty first of all, and then you're probably investigating the aspect of whether <coughs> it requires to be nurtured, whether it needs to be awakened. Or whether it needs to be um, instilled. So there's there's different aspects to the, the actual question. Yes, and so I'm you're actually wanting to frame it properly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what we what I think the spirit, Islamic spiritual tradition actually focuses upon is the idea that um, your spiritual dimension almost dissipates and disappears the older you get from birth. So this idea of your spirituality is actually heightened at a younger age. And it continues like that until um, you come to the age of adolescence or puberty, and then that is under attack. So there's there's, there's an idea that in our tradition, you know, the idea of fitra is well well discussed and well commented upon. Prophet said, yulid ala fitra, that every um, every birth or every child that's born is born upon this thing of fitra. Now the fitra is actually something that is. Um, the effect of something before the birth itself yeah. and, and that is that is the source of your spiritual experience even to this day so if you're uh, 40 or 50 or 60 what you have in terms of spiritual mindfulness is actually something that's a remnant of something that comes from the past and it's not created it's not uh, it's not something that you you actually bring or, or, or create from scratch. It's always been there. So you're searching from spirituality. Yeah. What you're looking for is retracing your steps to the point that you had uh, a spiritual awareness. So for children, that's important. Mm-hmm. In terms of us trying to understand how do children um, develop spiritually. But I think this idea of a primordial spirituality is something that we um, need to focus. In Ramadan, you can understand the fact that you're you're feeding your soul and your spiritual dimensions rather than your physical dimensions. But for us, it's probably interesting, if you're looking at children specifically, how to nurture them, uh, you're looking at this, this this hadith, which is actually very important, the fitrah. And that fitrah actually comes from in that pre, pre-time pre space where, where we were presented in front of God. Our souls were presented and Allah says, Alistu barabbikum, am I not your Lord? And the, the, the souls themselves, um, resonating the spiritual aspect, said, Bala shahidna. We have. T- why indeed we've testified. Now, when you're born, the child. Um, you know, in, in Islamic tradition, we have um, certain traditions that we have when a child is yes. born. You have tahniq, you have adhan, and these these process. One of my teachers said that they are actually to remind the child not to forget these as it gets older, because the shahada, which is a spiritual call, 
um, needs to be taken by the child now into life. So it starts off almost like a battery. It starts off fully charged spiritually. <coughs> and so it will uh, continue like that. It's interesting because in, in some education philosophies it's, it's this mm -hmm. idea that even physically the seed is already there mm -hmm. pre and then it kind of grows into it. You're saying it declines with age into mm -hmm. puberty. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason I'm saying that is mm -hmm. from my own kind of observations and reading, anecdotal reading and, and experiences, I tend to have this idea that this spiritual aspect then becomes under attack. Mm -hmm. This is why the Prophet said one of the hadith, one of the narrations of this hadith of Fitra is until the, the child's or the or the person starts to be able to assert things from the, for themselves. Do you understand? So it means that the child is there, but then why is it assert things? Why is it say it wants things? It's because the physical dimensions now start to play a part. Um, is that, an, is that a, the, the nafs coming into effect? The nafs will start to come in because what will happen initially is the child will have needs and he'll cry and he'll, he'll call for things and it will look for attention. Those are natural things because human beings are from this quality of once they have this quality of sociability. And children are naturally inclined towards that because human beings, God has created them to be social. Yes. And so that is nothing more than um, creating a healthy balance between the soul and the spirit, and soul and the, and the body. Because you have to, at some point, have some desires, you have to have some kind of um, you know, needs. But the issue now is for this idea of tasky and balance to come in. And it comes to a fore when the intellect um, starts to make clear decisions about what's right and wrong. And that comes at the age of tamiz, but more clearly at the age of, of puberty. So tamiz is, is defined as what is age? Yeah, tamiz is, it differs for, for different children. It comes to around about the age of seven to about, you know, just above seven, eight, when they can, they can understand the consequences of, of their actions. Uh, and, and they start to get, um, they start to have th th um, judgments about certain things that this is good and this is bad. In as as a mindful parent mm -hmm. who wants to obviously create a healthy mm -hmm. aspect of tamiz and judgment, mm -hmm. um, which I presume is affecting the, the spirituality of, mm -hmm. of the child. Mm -hmm. What what um, what role what what role should the parent play in in that process? I think for me, it's this, this kind of clash does happen, and we need to make sure that it happens naturally. So this clash is healthy. Yeah, it's a healthy and it's a natural um, relationship between the soul and, and the body. So that spirituality will be nurtured because it will have to deal with adulthood. And at that point, it's the nafs. The nafs becomes fully um, formed in terms of its, its its it has a mind now. It has a logical. Because um, the spiritual diseases we understand to be two types. You have the shahawat, which are the kind of physical, desirous um, appetites that a human being has. And they, they, they're, they're there in the child. The child wants milk, it cries, if it wants food, it wants affection. But then you have the shubuhat. Shubuhat are mental spiritual diseases. They're not um, spiritual diseases as a lot of people think. They're about the spirit, they're actually about the mind. Okay. So they're about the child making sense of things. Um, so it's an educational process that yeah, so would have to be engaged So why does somebody pass away in the family and the child's young? The the shubha there will be about the child not being able to make sense of the the, the fairness of that. For the child's perspective, this is not fair. Why, why did my, my mother or father or grandparent have to die? Or why did my sibling have to pass away? Why does he have cancer? 
that is the beginning of something called shubuhat. And now, I think one of the biggest things is shahwat are there, but shubuhat are also something that we need to focus on because they have to be able to articulate, understand exactly what the things that they feel in front, see in front of them that they might um, misunderstand spiritually should be understood. And that comes from the parent. So the child seeing a parent going through a trauma, traumatic experience in, in a way that's strong and healthy impacts on the child. So one of the ways that we need to nurture it and take it through into adolescence and, and adulthood is actually to, to show them that there's a way of, of dealing with um, issues that are, have to be processed mentally as well as spiritually. And there's also ways that you process things that are related to desire. So for example, manners at the, at the dinner table, um, general idea of generosity and an ethar, which is to kind of prefer other people over yourself and be generous, that kind of thing. Those are kind of related to material things. But we also have to start to look at this idea that we need to look at the, the, shah, the shubhat as well. So, uh, I mean, it's obviously they're observing the parents and how they're dealing with their shubhat, and that's mm -hmm. role modeling it for them. Mm -hmm. um, how, what is that healthy process where the child, the child is obviously at school mm -hmm. and is experiencing, I'm sure, mm -hmm. a, a great many mm -hmm. shubhat probably. Mm -hmm. How, how do we go about that process? Mm. Do you think, or how would you? How would you? I think that the thing is, they, they see the parent re reacting in certain situations, but sometimes you have to actually engage with the child to show them that you're processing the thing, the same thing as well. So vocalizing it, yeah, bringing vocalizing it out. It. So, say for yeah. example, this thing that happened in, in London. There's this um, terrible that's 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 been affected by a massive fire. Many people have passed away. Um, so a lot of people are kind of looking at that. Uh, and the natural thing is there's children there, there's you know, there's people that have faith, there's people that don't ascribe to Islamic faith. So a child will sometimes not articulate it, but they, they'll kind of process that, is it fair? You know, this kind of idea of question of evil comes in here as well. And a lot of people, you know, if you look at the research done on, on atheism, a lot of people that leave faith, leave faith based upon experiences of, of the question of evil at a very young age. Yeah. So they've maybe experienced it at six or seven where they've mentally made a decision this is not fair, but then they're being told that God is compassionate and in the Christian context God has is love. And so at that point there's, there's a subconscious decision that this is not fair and this is not, doesn't make sense. Yes. And that, that kills the, the, that seed you're talking about, the seed that is there of spirituality. It ends up killing the seed because it has not been um, articulated or hasn't been it's not been articulated by the parent that they processed it and they understand it and perhaps another kind of um, exp exploration of the same point of the question of evil at a very simple level would be you know something that would be done so you're actually looking at the cognitive faculties being um, you know preserved for the child so that when they wake up when they grow up and and they they they're nurturing their spirituality they come to adulthood um, having a balance between the shahwat, but also having a control over the way that their mind works, so the way their cognitive pro uh, faculties process individual things. And I think that has to come out of their lived context. And I think one of the things I'm, I'm quite clear about from my experience is that children require to experience different generations of, of human beings. Conversation. Yeah, I mean, um, <coughs> vertical relationships, <coughs> and relationships with different age groups within. Yeah, I mean, I think age groups, parents, grandparents, elderly, spending time with elderly people is actually very important. Because one thing Prostam said 
which I was thinking about a couple of days ago. For, I don't know why it was. It's about maybe for the show. No, not for the show. It was something else. <coughs> it was yeah. It was about education, but it was a bit more to do with the Prophet said one of the signs end of time is tawasul atbaq, tawasul atbaq, which is basically the generational kind of interaction. Yeah. No. So it's it's um, you know the generations actually merge into each other, which is atbaq actually. Uh, Which is contra- contrary to what I've seen uh, in education. Everybody's kind of streamed in a particular age. Everybody, yeah. uh, even in society, you find this kind of very um, linear, uh, no, horizontal. What I'm saying, what I'm I think this, no. I think what you're saying is slightly different. Okay. What I'm saying is that there, uh, one, I think it was Imam uh, Abu Sulaim al Khattabi. He said that, that the hadith. There's many, there's many different um, interpretations of the hadith. The hadith is not clear, but one thing he said is that. There will be no, there will be a complete merging of generations in terms of their etiquette, in terms of their priorities, in terms of uh, how they think and how they deal with shubuhat and shahwat. So even to the point that the elderly, who you expect to be mature and have wisdom, the, that quality will disappear. So they, they almost be like adolescents. So this is, I mean, so um, almost as if you're homogen, homogenizing everybody. Once they get to adulthood, you've still got seventy-year-olds who are behaving with, like twenty-year-olds. Yeah, with jeans and a guitar in there, you know, and, and coloured hair and, yeah. and and so what mean what that means is that there's no for me what I was thinking is there's no process through which the generations can pass on wisdom. You know, this idea that you know, if a young child sees an older person, they always admire the older person if they're completely different. That's like the the crazy uncle you have in the family who you, is int- really interesting and you kinda of want to learn from the person. It's the same thing. Young, young, the younger the child is, the more that they're intrigued by something that is, that is interesting. And older people are interesting because they have a complete different perspective on life. And and sometimes when a child can't relate to their, their parents, they will relate to somebody that's much older. So, in from what I'm taking from you is that what one of the things to 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 support this mm. process is engaging through the, you know engaging children with older people through yeah. Through and the process. one of the things I've always thought would be good to is to have some kind of project where you have children helping, not just in a, in a family setting, setting where they have grandparents, but also in wider society. So younger children helping older people in an old folks home for example. Yeah, so there's a something. kind of there's a need on both sides. Yes. There's a need for a child to see beyond the horizons of something really mediocre, which is appearance. Yes, you know, and then the, for the for the older people to almost you know come back to life. So the kind of idea of I'm sure they look at the child and think I was that age at some point. Yes, and it kind of they reminisce and it, and it, and I think it, it sparks things in a memory which maybe would have been lost as well. So this kind of idea of nurture, I think what you're doing is you are you you've got the seed there. And it is there, ready to blossom into the most amazing fruit-bearing tree. And what happens is that the shubhat and shahwat end up um, destroying the actual seed itself. Either it's up, 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 uh, uprooted, or it's covered to the point it has no water. You can use any metaphor you want, but the thing is, th- that's a very basic thing. So I'm thinking of a model where you're actually nourishing it. So your nourishing is from acknowledging. Um, that children need to process ideas, need to process needs, physical needs, but they also need to to be supported by the different variations of experience that people have in generations. In terms of uh, um, 
religious inclination or inclination towards mm-hmm. to, towards God, mm-hmm. where is that part in that? I mean, removing the shubhat, does that mm-hmm. free the person to have, a, you know, the child to have that healthier yeah, relationship? Yeah, I, mean, I think um, it was um, Sheikh Ahmed Zulq, his parents passed away when he was very young. And he was brought up by his mother, um, and I'm sure you know the, the story, um, um Banin. She was, a f- she was famous, she was very famous for being pious, and, and she took on the responsibility of teaching him. But one thing she did was, he actually, you know, at one point he relates that she, um, she, used, she used to say to him, if you want something, you have to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and she would tell him to go to the prayer niche. In, in their house, they had a, a kind of area designated for prayer, and he would, for food, anything, he would have to sit there, and she would make the food and put it, put it aside. And then he would imagine that it's from the prayer that the, the food comes. And then th- the miracle that, the, the karama that happened was that he, she forgot to provide food for him one day and he made the dua and this fruit was provided. That's a kind of, ex- <laughs> you know, that's a kind of karama, but that is, what she was doing is inculcating the fact that the child has to have a very close connection with God. And he had it from an intergenerational perspective. His mother, his grandmother was much older. And so he got this idea of, um, relying on God um, from somebody who was outside his kind of... You know. yeah, I'm interested you're saying this happened to him at quite a young age and, and certainly from from uh, experience with, with, with the children teaching them that there is a heightened sense of imagination that mm-hmm. comes about maybe mm-hmm. five, six, seven and that's a beautiful time mm-hmm. where you can just see that imagined. Mm-hmm. Is 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 it that age group where where the openness and 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 to is is yeah is exactly I mean I think we ki- that's killed by the eight or eight or nine unless it's allowed to nurture. I mean I was speaking to one, one of my daughters and she was she was doing a kind of role play and in the role play she said I'm just imagining it but when she started the role play again it was as if it was real. So she she obviously she she was cognizant or cognizant of the fact that she was in an imaginary world and that these people were not real like the, the toys that she's playing with because she said no this is not real don't worry and then she was to- totally engrossed in, in the actual the role play as soon as she says that you know it's as if she's responding to the outer environment yeah so she's she's acknowledging me think, looking at her think, knowing that this is not real but then as soon as she tells me and acknowledges the fact that it's not real she goes back into it so there's there's aspects of it that are kind of the imagination's there and and the child then starts to realize it's not like father you know the classic one in, in the west is father christmas and all this kind of stuff doesn't exist but i think what we need to do is that that faculty which is about imagination is there for actually for the unseen it's there for a specific reason which is it's there to acknowledge that there are things that are outside of experience which are the unseen which are real and i think one of the things that children do is they have uh, heightened imagination to allow that process to be real for them so the angelic realm and, and the, all the, what they call the noumenal realm which is a kind of hidden spiritual realm they are very aware of that and I think what happens is as their body spirit com- comes into their body and it becomes um, it becomes part and parcel of their being that is cut off and then when we come to adulthood the idea is about, about rediscovering that so After they have this, puberty, yeah. So even Ibn Qayyim, he talks about this awakening or this revival of the spirit. He talks about it after puberty, after adolescence, because it's almost as if it's been destroyed and left. So, so even in their time, I mean, this. this so they, they had this idea of of, yeah. of um, revival and revi- revitalization came after it's been lost. 
So revival only comes when you've got something to revive. Revitalization is the same thing. What's what? And so what yeah. the idea is that you've fallen in out of grace with God in in adulthood, and now now you're trying to awaken the spiritual. It's akin to the fall of fall of Adam from Jannah, in in a sense. Yeah, so metaphorically, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's the fall. It's the kind of um, it's the kind of your dis like Romi would say. It's a di it's, it's your distance from your homeland. So the fact that you are now distant, now you reminisce about it, and you're trying to get back. But what you get trying to get back is that early ages of, of childhood, where you had certainty in your food being provided, shelter, love, empathy, because children know that that will come. And once we lose that, then we go into a very cold world, and then you have to revive that. And that's why you have the religious practices of that we do, fasting, Hajj, Zakat. It, it purifies all those aspects of our, of our life. The prayer does, you know, it, it, it actually it gets us a timekeep, you know, in terms of our, where we are and how we are at that time, and fasting in terms of food intake, you know, had this in terms of having a sensual or sensory um, relationship with a, a place through travel and spending money, and zakat is also about, you know, obviously about spending wealth. So all the aspects of, 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 our, of our faith actually prune certain aspects in this human existence, in relation to our contact as an adult connected to this yes, world now, yes. but still maintaining but that spiritual enough, core. They're not there <coughs> a childhood because the child doesn't require it. So a lot of people think it's because a child can't think and can't make sense of it. No, God has created the child so that when they come to the point where they need to make sense of it, they'll be able to pray and fast and, give, and, do, and do the Hajj and give Zakat because that's when they'll need it. So God has, is like this provisional or providential quality of God where everything comes at the right time. Like, you know, the, the, the fruits. In any, any country you come to, you know, the, the vegetables, the fruits that grow are the ones you need at that time. In terms so of vitamins, minerals, protein, you know. And that's the same thing with your spirit. You should imagine God providing for you things and obliging you with things just when you need them. لعبوهم. Within that uh -huh. context, what does that now that you're saying you, that they don't need these things? Mm -hmm. What is laibuhum, and, and what does it really uh, mean? <laughs> because I don't, I don't think it's plastic toys. <laughs> no, I mean it, it, it means that they, they, um, you, you, you play with them. You're, 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 you're joyful with them, and you show them the connectivity of, 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 of um, mercy and, and intimacy of natural love that they will then use as a metaphor for um, divine love. I think that's personally, personally what I think is the case because you have to nurture something to understand the, the highest manifestation of it. So if that's the most precious time that they have, and this is usually a time that they remember um, most vividly in terms of feelings, in terms of emotions, and then when they grow up, then they'll reminisce for that same, that homeland, which is a kind of warmth, comfort, uh, a lack of problems and, and you know, kind of care. And, th and then when they get older, they'll, 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 they'll want those qualities. And when they see that Allah has described those qualities, then it'll be a natural uh, return home. Because that's why Rahman is, you know, when we talk about the Rahim, which is the, the womb, your end is to Allah who's defined as a Rahman and a Rahim. So you're almost as if you're going all the way back. The child you want to help the child um, get to adulthood desiring to, you know, be in conversation with a Rahman and a Rahim. And 
so I think the la'ib is to actually to to be empathetic and 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 close to the child, and just allow them to be not not to overburden them with um, facts or you know just to get them to understand the cardinal virtues. The cardinal virtues are things like love, compassion, um, generosity, those kind of things, truthfulness. Yeah, so it's experiential really, and it's not the intellect, but you don't want to engage mm-hmm. the intellect. Let, let so I think, I think yeah. the child should be inculcated with those qualities, constantly reinforced, those main qualities of truthfulness, you know, compassion, sacrifice, generosity, those things should and be that's, And that's really the parent's role, is to... to yeah, to, they have to, to do I mean, the, the relationship. The, the relationship itself is, is yeah. naturally mm. opening the opportunity mm. for the parents to experience... And I think that's that. something that every parent can do. They don't have to think, I can't teach them to read or, you know, you know, structurally do certain things. Those things are non-negotiable. They should be something you, at every point in your parenting, think is the most important thing. If you have a decision to make, on two options and how to, you know, deal to go in the day with them, then never allow these to be undermined because if the child sees you undermining truthfulness or generosity, you know, the child is going to be, you know, it's the, the thing that child aspires to, which is you, will it will then aspire to those qualities, which is a lack of truthfulness, a lack of generosity, and then it'll become naturalized, and then what you're doing is you're destroying, you're destroying the child's, you know, seed of Huge. spirituality. But that's why, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things that Imam Ghazali said, he, he mentioned that um, the children have qualities which if you attain them, you get to the rank of the awliya. So they're, they're already there. So, <laughs> yes. so one of the shiukh, he mentioned that they have, um, he said if you, if, you have five, if you have a number of qualities of the children, then you will reach the, the, the state of the awliya, which is the people in proximity to God, which means that they're in proximity to God. This idea of provision, that you you don't think about your provision, children don't think about their provision. No, no. And children, they have this quality of, of having fearfulness. You know, like, if you... Sh- Rahba. Yeah, a, a, a and, and, and they have this kind of response to it, which is, if you have it in adulthood, which is to fear God, in, 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 the, in the fear sense, khawf, in terms of khawf, then that is one of the qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, that, those kind of things... It, all these kind of traditions point towards the fact that you try and you go back and you have no enmity towards people. So if you have enmity towards a person, a child has it now, within two minutes they're playing with the, ch- the other child. And they're, and they're naturally forgotten. very trusting. I trusting mean, they're, yeah, and they're forg- yeah. forgiving. And those kind of qualities are actually the qualities of the awliya. No. Which is, you know, generosity. And this this what Aisha, you know, it's a hadith of Abu, Abu, Abu Shaykh. Aisha she said the Prophet had two qualities. The Prophet said there's two qualities that I found in people that are close to God. One is generosity and one is good character. You know, these these are just they're not they're not knowledge knowledge based or you know information based. They're just based on um, simple things. Generosity, I think, is something that in this day and age really has to be focused on because we're so material. You know, Abu Mansur we to counter it. And Abu Mansur al Maturidi said you you teach your children about the kalima he said teach your children about the generosity as you teach them about the about the about the kalima because if there's no um, bad in in generous and no bad in 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 miserliness except a bad opinion of god then that's sufficient and if there's no good in generosity except having good opinion of god then that's sufficient so imagine that imagine your child being generous because they know in generosity you're giving but there's somewhere where it's coming from and if, if a child acknowledges there's something that's coming from somewhere where it's coming from, which is God, which is the spiritual realm which you can't see, 
then that's them you know, locked on faith for life because they know that in giving this they're going to get a reward from somewhere else which is not material and that is that's 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 the nurturing of of the spirits barakallahu feekum jazakallahu khair jazakallahu khair for more information and to listen to more podcasts visit us at arc.scor or check out the arc media app